The Air Force's annual Tianlong exercises are now in their second day amid heightened military harassment from China. On Tuesday, Taiwan's army was spotted setting up for a drill in New Taipei's Danshui district. On a grassy field, there are what appear to be 105-millimeter howitzers and surface-to-air missiles covered in camouflage. Over at Fisherman's Wharf, soldiers have been seen on patrol as an excavator works the land near an Avenger air defense system. The 6th Army Command says it's preparing for a routine exercise that will be adjusted based on changes in the military situation. According to reports, the military is working on relocating an array of Shonfeng-3 missiles to Danshui. The Ministry of Education's radio station is under fire for broadcasting pro-Beijing news content produced by Radio France Internationale. Local listeners complain that the French outlet's news content has the tone of pro-China propaganda. On Tuesday, an official at the Ministry of Education's radio station said it had already suspended the syndicated content and will assess its continuation. When he was asked about Radio France Internationale, Education Minister Pan Wenzhong did not react to questioning and made his way quickly past the doors. The Education Ministry is under fire after its radio station was found to be airing Radio France Internationale content with a pro-China tone. This is an October 16th report by Radio France Internationale, which was aired on Taiwan's National Education Radio. It was about a Chinese state media's TV report on Taiwan spies, and it cited editorials from pro-China news outlets. It also condemned the Thai administration for its treatment of Chinese student Zhou Hongshu, who was convicted of spying for Beijing and Taiwan. A separate report touts Chinese leader Xi Jinping's carbon-neutral policy. Local listeners have accused the station of airing propaganda that denigrates Taiwan from the perspective of Beijing. They said the report seemed geared toward brainwashing Taiwan's public and appeared to originate from China itself. This is a single case. It is a warning sign. It indicates that China's infiltration of Taiwan media has long been a hidden reality. Now a case has burst into the fore. In the future, if we have the people's support, we will take extraordinary measures during these extraordinary times to implement the necessary controls. We do educational and cultural programming. Basically, we don't touch political issues much at all. We have suspended the broadcast of this program. We will set up an auditing task force. After we carry out a careful evaluation of this program, we will decide whether to continue our cooperation with Radio Taiwan International. According to officials, the news program is a collaboration between Radio Taiwan International and Radio France Internationale. It is then rebroadcast on National Education Radio for educational purposes. Amid the political controversy, the station says it will reevaluate the broadcast. A university education was uh, once often all about the books, reading academic texts, writing dissertations. But more and more colleges are trying to bring their courses up to date for the modern workplace and cultivate students' uh, creative potential. Let's take a look at the shakeups to curricula at National Formosa University in Yunlin and Fengjia University in Taichung. Students at National Formosa University are practicing the skills of aircraft maintenance. Lai Jingxuan has already completed the Aviation Maintenance Training Center's 2,400-hour training, certified by the Civil Aeronautics Administration. I feel really proud and lucky because I landed on this course, and it's allowed me to have a competitive edge over others before I entered an aviation company. The center has a modular education format. Students finish one module.
module a month before moving on to the next one. That revolutionary approach helps students fulfill their potential, say teachers. The advantage of a modular education is that basically the students are just studying one module at a time. They're fully focused on one module for that period, so they can study it more in depth. The center's first graduating class had 15 students, and all have found favor with aviation companies. Even Education Minister Pan Wenzhong attended their graduation. Meanwhile, in Taichung, Fengjia University's iSchool combines nine former majors into a newly designed course covering six major fields. It wants to foster interdisciplinary talent with world-class professional skills and the aid of smart tech. We get students to study their professional skills in the classroom. And moreover, what we really care about is the degree of their creative abilities and interdisciplinary capacities. Even more important is we get the students to put their hands to things. And through collaborative themed group projects, students bring what they do and think into real life. To produce graduates who are up to date with the latest technology and ready for the demands of the 21st century workplace, nothing short of revolutionary education is needed. Since 2017, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs and the Taiwan External Trade Development Council have worked together to deepen ties with Central American allies. One main project is promoting the import of Central America's high-quality seafood. This year, Taitra has shifted its promotional events online due to the pandemic. Let's see the results. The chef slices a lobster, then adds on fresh fruit and olive oil. There's also this plate, garlic scallop lobster and white shrimp mint melon salad. These mouth-watering seafood dishes are from Taiwan's Central American diplomatic allies. Caragua is a big uh, producer of seafood and we are first and most important export product is the lobster and following for the shrimp. And actually Taiwan, it's the major buyer of our product. And last year accounted for more than 28% of our exports. Due to the pandemic, Taitra had to develop new ways of supporting seafood trade between Taiwan and Nicaragua. Because of the uh, pandemic, coronavirus pandemic, there's no way for us to mobilize. So this time we help our uh, importers, nine importers, uh, to have you know business discussion online with uh, 23 uh, companies from Belize, Honduras, Nicaragua, and Guatemala. And they, this causes a quite a you know a shining result. Uh, so with with over a hundred million uh, U.S. dollars. Uh, uh, you know, business opportunities. To assist domestic seafood importers during the pandemic, Taitra has transitioned to virtual buying activities and online negotiations. These online activities have helped seafood industries profit significantly this year. Though the economy is affected, but uh, we still had a very uh, shining growth of our imports from, uh, for example, uh, Nicaragua from uh, January to September with a growth of 42.4%. And from uh, Honduras, uh, with a growth of 29.9%. Uh, uh, I, I mean, uh, the import of white shrimp. This September, Taiwan and Belize signed an economic cooperation deal that will pave the way for a greater variety of fresh seafood to hit Taiwan markets.
Now, with this economic cooperation agreement, they will be able to import with uh, paying much less duty if they pay any at all, because you know the, the agreement will allow for zero duty or duty where it gradually decreases to zero um, in, the, in the end. That is very exciting for Taiwan and Belize, and, and it opens up the door for uh, much more possibilities. From January to September, Taiwan imported 20% more seafood from Central America compared to the same period last year. In particular, white shrimp and lobster purchases have amounted to 31 million U.S. dollars and is expected to exceed 80 million U.S. dollars next year. For most news, Stephanie Yang, Wu Zhengde in Taipei. Uh, the Judicial Yuan's annual film festival will be kicking off next month, featuring nine domestic and foreign movies on legal issues. The event will be held in collaboration with the Golden Horse Film Festival with the aim of introducing moviegoers to current issues in the law. The Judicial Film Festival held a press conference on Tuesday that was attended by big names in the judicial system and showbiz. The annual Judicial Film Festival will once again be held in collaboration with the Golden Horse Film Festival. I've never played a judge or a lawyer, but I've played a humble bailiff before. In the TV movie Lucky Draw, Yo played a bailiff tasked with executing a prisoner. The plot revolves around the bailiff's internal struggles before an execution. A lot of people in our society don't know what bailiffs actually do. They might wonder why he has to execute the prisoner. It might sound a bit ridiculous, but in the movie, the character is under a lot of mental stress and he has to bottle up a lot of emotions. The two movie festivals have teamed up to get the public better acquainted with the judicial system. Through a film, people can discover the legal issues present in everyday life and strike up a dialogue of sorts with their own legal system. When you go watch a movie, you become a little bit like a citizen judge. While you're watching the movie, you judge the character, the plot and their actions. A good film can get everyone to reconsider everything several times throughout its duration. I think it's like a warm-up drill for becoming a citizen judge. In the world of filmmaking, there are so many expert storytellers. Through the movies, you can learn about human rights, LGBT issues, immigration, animal rights and all these other issues. This year, the festival will showcase nine domestic and foreign films dealing with the judicial system. Seven of them have won awards at international film festivals and two are Taiwanese documentaries. They don't exclusively focus on criminal law, but also on issues such as immigration, gender equality, lesbian parenting and animal welfare. This year's free flu shot program has proven more popular than expected, especially among adults. But health officials warn that vaccination rates are still too low for small children. So far, only 26% of children up to six years old have been inoculated. That's far below the government's goal of 55.5%. Officials say parents should not delay getting their child inoculated before flu season peaks. This father brought his daughter to the doctor after she caught a cold. While there, he asked the doctor to give her a flu shot, but since she's ill, she couldn't get vaccinated. 
I went to other clinics to ask, but it seems the vaccines have all been administered. I wanted to get her vaccinated as soon as possible. I'd feel more at ease. I'm afraid that we'll all run out. Parents say they are concerned there won't be enough vaccines. So far this season, only 25.9% of young children have been inoculated. That's a rate much lower than adults. The reason could be that community and neighborhood vaccination centers have all given out the shots to seniors. Most health centers and hospitals offer shots only during standard business hours, forcing parents to take the day off from work to make their child's appointment. For those who don't, the only other option is to go to a clinic between 6 and 9 p.m., a window of only three hours. Some doctors say COVID fears are keeping parents from taking their kids to the hospital. Bringing one's children to the hospital to get vaccinated is after all bringing them somewhere where there's a lot of people. So I think many parents might be hesitant and might step back from doing it. That is one of the reasons. Last Saturday, the government suspended free flu shots to healthy adults aged 50 to 64 to ensure stocks for older seniors and young children. The premier previously said that healthy adults were more eager to get the flu jab this year after seeing Health Minister Chen Shizhong get his. We're supposed to be promoting the vaccines to achieve herd immunity before the flu season starts. Among the more vulnerable demographics, 37% of people 65 and older have been vaccinated. That's growth of nearly 10 percentage points from last year. In contrast, only 26% of children up to six have been inoculated. That's far from the goal of getting 55.5% of young children vaccinated. The government urges parents to take advantage of Sanofi Pasteur's egg-free vaccines, which are reserved for children aged six months to three years. The government says that if there's not enough demand from children, the vaccines will be made available to other groups. This year's quadrivalent shots were developed by Adimmune in collaboration with three egg companies with 200,000 hens. More than 10 million eggs were required to produce 3.7 million vaccines for the general public and 200,000 shots for military and medical use. Deals with the egg farms were signed last year in June. Adimmune says it's now too late to order more eggs for vaccine production. They have very strict rules on how they raise the chickens. There are requirements on the chicken breeds and the quality. The eggs must come from hens between 26 and 60 weeks old. Adamune says that this year's cohort of suitable hens aged out of the vaccine program in June. Now they are all older than 60 weeks old. Their eggs can no longer be used for development, making it that much harder to get a new vaccine supply. Taoyuan has officially opened a six-hectare botanical garden on the coast of Xinwu District. With 250 animal and plant species, the gardens are not to be missed by nature enthusiasts. Those who want to get a better understanding of the area's biodiversity need only pull up an app on their phones. A red-clawed crab crawling sideways, a Formosan blue magpie poking its head from the nest, a squirrel hanging from a tree. At Taoyuan Seaside Botanical Garden, you can see all these and more. Here the wind is strong year-round and the salinity of the soil is high. But this unfavorable environment is a great place for seaside plants to thrive. Beef wood trees grow tall and sturdy, sea mango trees turn a lush green, and morning glories bloom in vibrant purple. Taoyuan's first seaside botanical garden is located just south of the Yong'an Fishing Harbor. It boasts an area of six hectares packed with 135 plant species and 115 animal species. Oh. 
Move your phone and a bug pops up on the screen. Press the shutter to catch it and the app will show you information about the species. The app can be used as a game or as a tour machine, allowing people to explore the great outdoors through their phones. Through this interactive app game, the animals and plants become the main star. This way, visitors can interact with the stars of the park. We've set aside a budget of 12 million NT for next year to build a forestry classroom, a forest plaza and walking trails. Cultural experiences and ecological travel will become the key draws of Yong'an Fishing Harbor. Nature travel and the interactive app make Taoyuan's newest botanical garden the best place to learn about biodiversity and the environment. A historical bookshop in Taichung has opened its doors once again after a 22-year hiatus. Central Bookstore dates back to 1927 and was the largest Chinese-language bookstore in Taiwan during the Japanese colonial period. The shop closed in 1998, but has since been revived by a civic group, which bought the building in 2015. After renovations and one year of trial operations, the bookstore officially reopened on Sunday. This place is etched with the shared memories of many Taiwanese artists and literary figures. It greatly propelled the cultural development of Taiwan. It is undoubtedly an extremely important part of Taiwan's cultural landscape. The store is located at the intersection of Taiwan Boulevard and Shifu Road. After the renovation, the first floor is dedicated to Taiwan with works by Taiwanese authors or on the topic of Taiwan. The second floor has a cafe, a children's reading area, and lifestyle and travel books. The third floor offers a selection of books on literature and art. In Kaohsiung, pupils at Boai Elementary School have enjoyed the support of one volunteer crossing guard for two decades. 74-year-old Lin Mei-yu stands on the front line between cars and children crossing the street in front of the school. Over the years, she's protected pedestrians, including her five grandkids. Her youngest grandchild is about to graduate, but Granny Mei-ryu won't be hanging up her whistle. She intends to keep on at her post for as long as she's physically able. Traffic flag waving to and fro, whistle at the ready, 74-year-old Lin steps out to protect Kaohsiung Boai Elementary pupils on their way to school, as she has done every day for 20 years. <laughs> Granny Mei Yu, as she's known, once was unlucky enough to witness a pupil injured in a car crash near the school gates. That's when she started volunteering as a crossing guard. Her five grandchildren have all walked under her flag. The oldest is now in the workforce, while the youngest is in fifth grade. But when they've all graduated, she has no plans to hang up her whistle. I think so long as I'm still fit enough, I will carry on. I'll keep going as long as I'm around. Her eyes light up as soon as she is asked about her work. It's hard to believe that she was once injured in a traffic accident herself. She got two steel pegs in her left leg after the incident and can't stand up for too long anymore. When we heard the news of your accident, we were so worried. We hope you get well soon. Look at this. Getting this meant I knew I don't have to say anything. It means that I'm receiving so much love from these kids, just like from my own grandsons, and so much motivation. Two years ago, Lin had to spend 23 days in hospital, and it was these cards from the children that gave her the courage to get through it. As soon as she was discharged, she was back on the street doing her job. 
She uses an electric wheelchair now, but doesn't get tired. I thought that coming out with my walking stick and slowly walking for 10 or 15 minutes at a time was better than getting physio. Every day, Granny Mei draws joy and encouragement from seeing the children trip to and fro, knowing she's making the journey safer and easier. And staying on our four-legged friends, a happy announcement from the Netherlands. The country's Appenhall Primate Park says that a gorilla sent over from Taiwan is about to become a father. Two years ago, Baba was sent to the Netherlands from Taipei Zoo as part of a conservation exchange. He has since bonded with a gorilla named Jassy. And this happy couple is expecting their first child together next winter. In related news, one of Jassy's daughters, Tayari, is living at Taipei Zoo and is expecting a bundle of joy of her own. Tayari was sent over from the Netherlands in November 2019. She and the Taipei Zoo resident Diego are expecting their first baby together at the end of the year.